Well, today I'm excited to break open a brand new series on the power of His Spirit. Last week, I shared with you a word that I felt God gave to me for you and for us as a church, and that is that God is doing a new thing. As I said last week, I know that can sound like a traditional New Year's scripture and phrase to throw out there. It could sound like hype, unless it's really true. And it is really true. God is doing new things right now in the earth. But here's the other truth. Without the Holy Spirit, none of it would happen. The Holy Spirit is the one that causes the will of God to actually manifest or become a reality in our lives. Every single thing you have ever experienced from God came by the way of the Holy Spirit. In the very beginning, God sees chaos and darkness and God speaks his word, light be. But the Bible also says the Holy Spirit was hovering that word, that word is the same word as a, a hen that sits on her egg waiting for it to hatch. Hovering, waiting, brooding is the Hebrew word for God's word to be spoken. And then the Holy Spirit says, and he causes it all to come to pass. Same thing happened. If you've ever given your life to Jesus Christ, turn your life over to him for the forgiveness of your sins. As soon as you do that, the first thing that God does is, breathes the breath of life into you, the Holy Spirit. And you don't become a Christian. You literally, what Jesus calls, you become born again. You are literally birthed as a son or daughter by the Holy Spirit into the eternal family of God. It's not church membership. It is not a bunch of hoops you have to jump through. It's a supernatural experience. So, that's why I want to teach today on... How to live supernaturally. God never intended you and I to live our lives by our own power alone. This is the travesty of the condition of the human race. is us trying to achieve and accumulate and produce, project our own futures, living out of our own resources. How many of you have found out, and just be honest about this, because... Because if you want more of God, you've got to be honest about your human condition. How many of you have lived long enough to find out that you are a limited creature? Now, there are other religions and philosophies in the earth that say that you are unlimited and you are your own God. And that, that is a trick of the enemy. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, one of the most brilliant minds in the history of the world, caught up uh, out of his body into heaven and saw it all. He says, I rejoice in my limitations and my weaknesses because I found the trick. I found the the combination. When I come to the end of myself, then the power of Christ rests upon me today i want to talk to you about unlimited living and it is by the power of the holy spirit we're talking about the supernatural that is beyond the natural 
How many of you need that? Let me just make sure I'm preaching to the right group of people. How many of you need a love that goes beyond your human capacity to love? Come on. How long have you been married, have kids, have an ugly neighbor, had an employer? Seriously, Uncle Fred. I mean, our love hits a brick wall at one point. The ability to forgive, joy. I mean, you only get so much joy out of a bottle or out of a joint or out of a relationship or out of accolades and accomplishments. And they just don't give you that joy that we all truly were designed for because it comes from God himself. It comes from the Holy Spirit or peace. I could go on and on and on. But I want us in this opening message, as we crack open this brand new series, next week, Les Meredith will be teaching. He was uh, what we call an evangelical, and that is someone who believes in the Word of God. Jesus is your Savior. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you, and you are living out of principle and out of uh, your disciple. The Apostle Paul, he goes up to a town called Ephesus one time, and it says, Paul, finding some disciples there. So, they are disciples. They've given their life to Christ. They've received the baptism of John, water baptism. They're in the Word of God. They're going to church. They're tithing. They're faithful. They're sharing their faith. But Paul asked them this question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't. We don't. What? We've never even heard of a Holy Spirit. Then it says, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Spirit of God came on them and they began to prophesy and speak in other tongues. So people like Les, who came from an evangelical environment, excellent with the Word of God. You can't find someone who knows the Word of God better than Les or can teach it as, as well as Les. I mean, he's a solid believer. But he came into this environment and he said, huh? And he began to pursue the gifts of the Spirit, hunger after them, asked a bunch of questions. And he just, we'd go golfing. He would say, man, I want to prophesy. I want to hear the voice of God. It's just not happening. I said, just keep pressing. Just keep going after it. All of a sudden, boom, it just started happening. Now, he's a lawyer, and he'll be at seminars. Or he'll be on a trip somewhere. He'll be in a cab, and God will give him a word for the cab driver that's just a word of knowledge, information you can't get outside of the Holy Spirit. And the cab driver just knows that God knows him. He's not alone because... God gives a believer who's just in the back seat having a cab ride information about the guy driving the cab because God cares about every individual. And when we're able to go beyond the natural into the supernatural, we get information for people that will help them or whether it's healing or miracles or wisdom or whatever it is. Why live limited when the unlimited is available to us? So Les will be teaching next week. But let's look at the word supernatural. What does it mean? It means a manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or laws of nature. Webster defines a supernatural as departing. Everybody say departing. Because <laughs> we're about to depart. All right. We're departing. Here we go. Departing from what is usual or normal. I do want to say a word here. Just because it's weird doesn't make it God, okay? So we're not talking about be weird and we'll couple that, equate that with the Holy Spirit. We might have you go sit in that back room over there. But what was normally expected in the natural, especially so as to appear to transcend the laws of nature. Now, This opening message I want us to get ready for, prepare our minds and our hearts for. 
an expectancy beyond what can normally happen through human capability. That's called humanism. The human spirit is amazing. I mean, the things that we've seen people accomplish in the earth just through human willpower and human effort, breaking barriers, you know, the four-minute mile and medical advancements and these amazing things that the human spirit, the human mind can accomplish. Well, of course, we were made in His image. We are part of God's creation. So we have His attributes in us. But human capability in comparison to a Holy Spirit capability? Are you kidding me? As though there's any competition whatsoever? Human capability doesn't even register in comparison to Holy Spirit capability. Let's take some categories. I'll give you an example. Let's take um, military prowess, okay? Navy SEALs. I don't want to mess with a Navy SEAL. Do you? Okay. But what about someone like Samson? Just a normal guy. There's a guy named Samson, historically, in the book of uh, Judges. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him because God wanted to use him to be a leader for his people. Every time you see the Spirit of the Lord come upon him, he did supernatural things militaristically, like defeating a thousand people by himself with the jaw of a donkey. I mean, how do you do that physically in the natural? You can't. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon somebody, they do things that are beyond natural laws. At the end of his life, the the Philistines, he had disobeyed God and he had ran off on his own and so the spirit of the Lord departed so now he's back to his human capabilities and he goes out and tries to be the same supernatural guy that he was before and he didn't have the supernatural power you know the story so the Philistines get him the enemies of God put him in the dungeon pluck his eyes out so now his human capabilities are completely uh, deteriorated as well as the supernatural 3,000 captains come together from the enemy They're throwing a party in a place that is about four, five times bigger than this place because it held 3,000 people. This holds about 800. And they bring Samson up to make fun of him. And so they put him in the middle of these 3,000 captains of the enemy. And Samson says to God, can your spirit please come upon me one last time so I can do one more thing? And he has a little boy take him over to two huge pillars that were holding up this massive coliseum with 3,000 captains of the enemy. And Samson put his hands on either side of the pillars and he began to push. And he pushed and those pillars came down and the place collapsed and killed all 3,000 of them along, along with Samson. Military prowess. I don't think. Are they teaching you that, Phil, in the military? Are they taught you how to do that yet? Here's our new strategy. Medical advancements. Man, I thank God my wife went through breast cancer um, not 15 years ago because the medical advancements they have now saved her life. I mean, we could go on and on about the, you know, the, the medical advancements, but that doesn't compare to Jesus walking up to a blind man, spitting in his eyeball, rubbing mud in it, and the guy can see. What kind of medical advancement is that? Who? The anointing, the Bible calls it, it's the, it's, the anointing is the Holy Spirit's special ability 
that's a substance that comes upon somebody to preach or to do other things we'll talk about. Well, it, this anointing, this Holy Spirit substance, this supernatural, beyond the natural law's ability, seeped into him and into his bones. He's doing miracles when you read the, the, the Old Testament. You see Elisha doing miracles that are crazy stuff. He dies. They have him in an open pit. One day, these, these other guys are, are carrying this, this dead guy, and they're going to bury him. And these raiders come along, and they're, 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 they're coming through the graveyards, and these guys freak out. They're like, oh, we've got to get out of here. They take the dead body of this man, throw it into the open pit where Elisha has been laid. Elisha's dead. It says that the dead man's body lands on Elisha's body, and the anointing, the supernatural healing ability of God from the Holy Spirit was so saturated in Elisha's bones that it raised the dead man from the dead. Elisha raised the dead man from the dead while he was dead. Some of your minds right now are going, tilt. Good. Good. You see, in the natural world, five physical sense world, we think it's strange to think there's a, another dimension. Do you know the other dimension thinks it's even stranger that you don't think they're there? They were there before we were here. The angels of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father. And God slung this natural world into existence and allowed us to be here and put us in a time-space continuum. And we think this is all there is. Trying to break open our understanding in this opening message to... The limitless God that we walk with. Amen. Give you a couple more examples. Academia. Philosophers. Great minds. Inventors. The Benjamin Franklins and the Aristotles. And, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on with these amazing minds. But then you get this young, this teenage boy or young 20-something, and he's now going to become king of Israel. He realizes that he is severely limited in his ability to lead millions of people as the king. And he is so nervous that, uh, that he's going to fail. Anybody ever felt that way before, that you just, you're over your head, you got a new promotion or you're uh, whatever it what might be, and you realize I'm over my head. Anybody ever felt that way? Just raise your hand. You ever felt like, oh, my God, they are depending on me. Well, can imagine if you got thrust to be the king. I mean, you just want to be playing video games, and all of a sudden you're the king. So you've got some, you've got to run the military. You've got to, you know, run the economy. You've got to run the education system. You got to, I mean, you're just responsible, right? And so he cries out to God for help. That night, he goes to sleep. He has a dream, and God says, I've heard your prayer, and I'm going to make you the wisest man in the world. He wakes up the wisest man in the world. <laughs> he said, well, that can never happen to me. Why? Why not? Why, why couldn't God just 
unleash wisdom and knowledge and understanding into your little pea brain. He created it. Give you information, knowledge, understanding. Predicting the future. The last example I'll give, and we're going to jump in a little deeper here, but I just want to hit these different categories and segments of society so we all understand that the Holy Spirit is limitless in every realm that we experience here on earth. You know, predicting the future, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, being able to tell what's going to happen, palm readers and and uh, mediums. I mean, we as human beings want to know what the future holds. We, w- we want to know what happens after death. Just we want to know what's in particular, coming. There are over 353 prophecies. That is, this is what's going to happen in the future. Over 353 prophecies from multiple different individuals about who the Messiah will be when he comes. Where he's going to be born, when he's going to be born, how much money he's going to be betrayed by, how he's going to be crucified, how how he's going to die. I mean, Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was crucified, prophesied his crucifixion. They're going to put nails in his hands and his feet and they're going to hang. It had not even been invented yet as a form of torture and death. What he will say when he's on the cross. What the soldiers will say to him while he's hanging on the cross. All of these things were prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. It's a great way to, produce, uh, to approach somebody who's, who's uh, a Jew. is to go to the Old Testament and show them these prophecies and how they've all come to pass. The Holy Spirit knows everything. So, let's look at our opening passage. That'll be the clarion call for us and whatever it is in your life, where you're at, and how you can absorb this and apply it to your own life. Everybody, let's say this scripture out loud together. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Will you say it again real loud? All right, come on, one more time. Cry it out. Come on. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, every morning on Sunday morning, somebody kindly gets me a little bottle of water, right? And so today there wasn't a bottle of water down here. God forbid you didn't give a bottle of water to the man of God. See if leprosy is starting to grow on your fingernails. And so I went to Stuart and I said, hey, Stuart, can you give me a bottle of water? I think this is, I think this is prophetic. This is what he brings me. And I said, I think this is a sign that God, because the Holy Spirit is considered water in the Bible, talks about him as water all the time. I think God is going to do more than even I've expected during this series. So which one do you want, this one or this one? The Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. So, there's three things that you need to know about living supernaturally. And I'm going to hit these pretty quickly. Number one is, you need to know that God does not work alone. God's not just going to go and fix your life. He does not work that way. He does not work alone. He works through people. Just as God does not want you to do it without him, he won't do it without you. 
You are an equal part of this equation on this side of heaven. God empowers you with His Spirit to do His will together. Now, that scripture that we quoted, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, that scripture comes out of a, the context is a guy named Zerubbabel had come to do a new thing. To rebuild the house of God. It would be like this, where the Jews would come and they would worship on Saturdays in Jerusalem for you know centuries. This enemy comes and decimates the temple. And takes them all captive for 70 years in Babylon. At one point, God releases them from captivity. Zerubbabel comes back with just a a ragged band of the poorer class of the Jews. And his assignment is to rebuild the temple. It's an impossible assignment. And one of the reasons is because they are so vulnerable to all the uh, countries around them. Because they don't have any walls around their city. Their temple is laid bare. The, the workers are few. And so he begins this work, but they keep getting attacked. And so after they laid the foundation, the concrete foundation, to build the temple, they got so discouraged by the constant attack of the enemy. They were called by God to do a work. God had given the word. They had prophecy. They start doing the work, but they got discouraged and quit for 14 years. Have you ever felt that way before? One person, right? Anybody else ever felt that way? You have a dream from God, a call from God, a prophecy from God. You're doing the work, but you get attacked and attacked. You're running out of resources. You get so discouraged, you just quit. Has anybody ever quit before? Anything at all? Just raise your hands. I still need to know that there's somebody here that this is applying to. It's at that moment, in his darkest hour, the most discouraged he was, where everything around him was burnt to the ground, hopeless. He had exhausted himself with his human resources. That's the moment that God spoke to him by the Holy Spirit coming upon one of his brothers. Just like in a small group. Good play. And he says, thus says the Lord, Zerubbabel, not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit says the Lord. And that partnership, the reality of that supernatural partnership so encouraged Zerubbabel, he rose back up, inspired everybody else, and they finished the temple. And so the Jews could begin worshiping God again. Then Nehemiah comes a number of years later, a guy named Nehemiah, and he came to build the walls around them because they were still being attacked. The temple was vulnerable. So he builds the walls, and it was another supernatural event because the walls had been burnt by the Babylonians, which when when stone and cement and rocks are burnt by fire, they're, they're, they're unusable. And yet he used those very burnt stones to rebuild the wall in a little over, I think it was 57 days, unless you would know the exact number. 57 days. Builds the wall. It was a supernaturally event. God is rebuilding your life by His Holy Spirit. But it is a supernatural partnership. He's not doing it without you. And here's what's interesting. 
Samson, it says, when he was pressing against those pillars, this is so important for every one of us to hear. Because as a charismatic quote, those of us who believe in the supernatural, we can think that a couple of things. One, if we put any effort in ourselves, that's the flesh. And we need to let the Holy Spirit do it. Or we can just bail on our personal responsibility and say, we're just waiting for a miracle. And God will say, well, I'm waiting for you to do something. In this passage, it says that Samson pressed against the pillars, quote, with all his might. The Apostle Paul said this, I am what I am by the grace of God. But his grace toward me was not in vain. I worked harder than all the other apostles. I wonder how Peter and James felt about that. I, I don't know if they, when they read that or not. I worked harder than everybody else. But not me, the grace of God that was in me. Elisha, Elijah, or Elisha, we were talking about him. What was his part? He had to die. Remember the anointing in his bones? I'm kidding. He had to pursue the anointing. He was hungry for it. You read his story. He kept pursuing God until he got that anointing that would raise people from the dead. Elijah, talk about another category, say athletics. Do you know Hussein Bolts, the fastest man in the world? You ever heard of Hussein Bolts? Okay. He's the fastest man, huh? Bolt. 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 What a great name for the fastest man in the world. Come on. Bolt. At his top speed, he runs 27 miles per hour. Yeah, it's pretty fast, huh? At the top speed of a chariot, a, 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 a chariot of horses, you know, pulling a chariot, going top speed, is 54 miles per hour. So you have to double the speed of Usain Bolt to be able to run as fast as a chariot of horses. Do you know in the Bible it says that Elijah told the king of Israel, I just prayed and God's going to pour out rain to where your chariot's going to get stuck in the mud because it is going to be a deluge. You better get to the castle fast. So the king jumps in his chariot, the king's chariot, the fastest chariot in, in the country, as fast as it can to the temple, or to, to the castle. And do you know what it says? Elijah pulled up his skirt because that's what they wore. Pulled up his skirt. And he outran the chariot to the castle. Could you imagine the king? And there goes Elijah. How about transportation? I mean, hey, the car is pretty cool. Oh, but the self-driving car is pretty cool. I mean, we go to the moon. But how about just getting translated? Right? So here's Philip, a guy named Philip. Just an average guy. The Bible says that the treasurer for the country of Ethiopia had come to Jerusalem to worship. This is in the book of Acts. He's going back home. He's in his chariot. The chariot's booking, right? And all of a sudden it says that Philip is running alongside the chariot. Could you imagine the Ethiopian? I mean, these horses are booking, man. He looks out and some guy's right outside the chariot going, hey, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading the book of Isaiah, but I can't understand it. He says, Philip says, would you like me to explain it to you? He says, okay. Gets in the chariot. The guy gets saved. And the guy says, well, there's water right there. How come I can't get baptized? Now they're going through a desert. 
This was all done by the Holy Spirit. This is my whole point. All of this supernatural stuff is the Holy Spirit doing this stuff. He says, okay. He baptizes them. He comes up, and Philip's gone. And the Bible says, Philip was found in another city. I love that. Philip was found in another city called Azotus. Can you imagine Philip? I baptize him, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden he's in the marketplace in a city 600 miles away. Okay. (laughs) Wouldn't that be good for rush hour? Some of you need to start believing for some of this stuff. Now you laugh, but I'm trying to open up our minds to God. Okay, so. God doesn't work alone. He works with you. Look at this scripture as we continue on with Zerubbabel doing a project for God. You're doing a project for God. It might be your marriage, your family, your career, your ministry, becoming like Christ, witnessing to your neighbors, your friends, your family members, whatever. We have a team right now that are in India. And remember, we sent them last week. We sent Stephanie and Jeanette and Ron and Kirsten, and they're in India right now. We just sent them last week, and their goal was 1,000 people to hear the gospel, 700 to receive Christ, 56 churches built, and 56 leaders to lead those churches. Well, uh, Jan, one of our senior leaders here, she just got an instant message from Kirsten yesterday saying that Kirsten preached the gospel, and her message was all things are possible. Five people got saved, and a bunch of people got healed. Can we get praise? Can we praise God for that? It's happening right now. So, Lord, we lift, up, we lift up the India team that we just sent last week. Lord, we pray your spirit come upon them in a powerful way so those who do not know your son can see him through the miracles and turn their lives over to him. We pray, God, for that 700 new believers in India by the power of your spirit. So it's the partnership. Those people wouldn't have gotten saved if they didn't go. They go. The spirit comes. Through the preached word. So look at the scripture. And uh, Zerubbabel, after he says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, he says to the same man, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying this, watch this, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So you notice that Zerubbabel's hands were laying the foundation. And his hands finish it. It's hard work. God expects you and me to use every ounce of our mental capacity, physical capability, imagination, ingenuity. It's the, it's the parable of the stewards. You know, two talents, uh, one talent, two talents, five talents. It was the lazy person who didn't use their talents that Jesus actually took the talent away. But to the one who used all their talents, Jesus gave him more. You see, God expects you and I to use every ounce of his divine capability he's given to us. And then he kicks in the turbo. And you end up producing supernaturally. Here's an example. This is my second point. Not only does God not work alone, God's Spirit is for everybody in every sector there of life. There is no this separation between right the secular and the sacred with God. 
What do I mean by that? The anointing, the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit isn't just for the professional clergy. In fact, that is a travesty to believe that. That somehow me and Mark and Shelly and Jan and Hope and other leaders, we are the ones that have the unlimited Holy Spirit. And you must come to us. That's called control. No. Our job is to teach you and train you and impart into you the Holy Spirit so you go out and turn the world upside down. Because I don't work where you work. Your friends aren't my friends. Right? I don't go where you go. But Jesus does. The Holy Spirit goes where you go. And he's working through your skill set. Look at this amazing passage out of the Old Testament. Then the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 31, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezel, whatever. I have filled him. I have filled him. This is the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit didn't just show up in the New Testament. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. Now his problem would be is, I'm the best craftsman in Israel. That would be a huge mistake. It's one mistake to take credit for it. It's another mistake to think that God is not on you by his spirit supernaturally to do your craft at work. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I personally appointed Oheliab to be his assistant. So being an assistant is supernatural. Moreover, I've given special skills to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I've commanded you to make. I remember a a carpenter who used to be in our church. He uh, did crown molding in high-end homes. And he told me this testimony once. He said, there was this, there was this uh, joint that came together in the ceiling. And it was really awkward. Like three or four different things came at the same time and they met. And I was supposed to put crown molding there. I have no idea. I measured it. I cut. Didn't fit. Measured, cut, didn't fit. Measured, cut, didn't fit. Burning through my material. I can't figure out this equation. And he said that night, before we went to bed, he prayed and asked Jesus for wisdom. That night, true story, and I hope this becomes the norm for us. That night, he had a dream, a piece of paper with the diagram drawn on it. He wakes up, draws the diagram, goes to work, cuts it just like the diagram, fit perfect. And here's my last point. And I'm going to call those who want to come down for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. The leadership's going to come up. Prayer team's going to come up. And we're going to kick this thing off with an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Maybe some of you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could have preached this better than me. But are you living it? How are you doing with the Spirit of God on you? When's the last time you prophesied? When's the last time you spoke in tongues? In your personal prayer time, did some intercession. When's the last time you had a dream or a vision? 
When's the last time you felt the supernatural love of God overwhelm you for an enemy? When's the last time you, f- you felt the Holy Spirit go, and your addiction was gone? When's the last time you laid hands on somebody else and they got filled with the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you laid hands on somebody and they actually physically got healed? So this isn't about knowledge. This is about demonstration of the kingdom of God. Some of you today, you're brand new to this, which is the main reason we're teaching this series. Because we have a lot of new people. And some of you have never learned about these things. One One of the reasons we're teaching it. And so maybe you've been taught speaking the tongues of the devil. You know, God doesn't speak anymore. I had lunch with a young 20-something just, just this week. He's a senior in college, Christian college. He's the president of the class. And he said, I was raised in an evangelical church. And I said, well, tell me, what, what's, what's, explain to me what the difference is. And he said to me, you know, like he said, like when, um, when I do Bible studies, you know, like with my family or whatever. He said, um, you know, we read the scriptures and then we all share what we got out of the scriptures. I said, well, what if you just stopped and after you read the scripture and said, let's all listen and see what God might say to us. He said, that would never happen. I said, what? You see, when you've walked in a real um, two-way relationship, an exchange, a supernatural exchange, expecting God to speak to you, dreams, visions, thoughts in your minds, Somebody calls you and says, I felt like the Lord just wanted me to say this to you, and it's prophecy. It's exactly what God, you just said to God in prayer. That kind of dynamic relationship is so normal to those who believe in it and have been walking in it that it's shocking to hear there's still a major part of Christendom that does not believe what he just said. We do not believe God talks back. And I don't mean like audible voice, although he does, but it's rare, but just communicates back to you. What you pray to him, like he like he would actually put a thought in your head after you ask him something. And then all of a sudden a divine thought would come into your head and it's the Holy Spirit speaking back to you. He said that we don't believe that would be like a father not talking to his kids. So maybe that's where you have been. Maybe that's where you are. And we just want to invite you. I want to invite you to just take it one step across the line and say, okay, if this is true, and I want to, I want to tell you this, and I I pray you trust me, you're not inviting the devil. If you invite Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Paul even says this in the book of first Corinthians. He said, those of you speaking by the Holy Spirit or speaking in other tongues, you're not calling Jesus accursed. In other words, they had been caught up in these new age because new age isn't new. It's old. Um, just the same lie from the Garden of Eden that you can be a God. So they're, they're speaking in tongues and they're freaking out. They're thinking, hey, wait a minute. This, this feels like what we were doing in our New Age stuff. And we're afraid that we're doing something that's being possessed by the devil or something. And Paul said, nobody can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You guys are safe. You guys are safe. The devil tries to fabricate and duplicate what God does. So like... Like Orange County Medium or whatever she is, some, some show, what is it? Some medium on television? Long Island Medium, okay. They don't do that stuff in Orange County. It's only in Long Island. <laughs> that, that, that is just, that's a fabrication of the real thing. So you can't shut down real prophecy because the devil's trying to fabricate it. And 
counterfeit. That's the word I'm trying to look for. So you're safe in Christ Jesus and you're safe in this church. The last point I want to make is God's spirit is free. God's spirit is free. Some in the early church tried to earn the Holy Spirit through holiness and being good. Some of you today think I'm disqualified because there's sin in my life. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's name is the Holy Spirit for a reason. He's holy, you're not. And the Holy Spirit makes you holy and good. So if you're sinful, you need more of the Holy Spirit. Not See that? See, that? see what the devil does? You're disqualified for the Holy Spirit because of your sin. No, if I have sin, I need the Holy Spirit more. Then maybe you do because you're so holy already. I'm not. So I need more of the Holy Spirit and I need him to, him to make me good. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. You can't earn it. And one guy in the Bible tried to buy it. It was a magician and he was doing this magic. And then he saw the apostles doing these miracles and he said, I want what you have. Can I buy it? And Peter said, dude, you are in serious trouble with Jesus right now. Why? Because Jesus already paid the price for us to have the Holy Spirit. Look at Paul says the Galatian church. You thought they could work for it. And then I'm going to call you down. We're going to pray for you. And Galatians where they pour the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them and they're doing miracles and stuff. Then some legalistic people came down, some religious people, and they tried to tell these guys, you have to clean up your act or you else you can't have the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes, you people in Galatia were told very clearly about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But you were foolish. You let someone trick you. Tell me this one thing. How would you like him to be your pastor? Tell me this one thing. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by being good, following the law? No. You received the Spirit because you heard the good news and believed it. The good news is that your sins are forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. The bad news is you'll never get to heaven in your own good works. The good news is come to Jesus and you'll be freely forgiven. And then the Spirit of God will come into you immediately, like right here today. You began your life, you began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now are you trying to make it complete by your own power? Isn't this a great verse to end on? That is so foolish. Were all of your experiences that you've had so far wasted? I hope not. Does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you because you follow the law? No. He does these things because you heard the good news and believed it. So, what do you want? This one or this one? I love it when God gives me illustrated sermons. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you down right now. We have about 10 minutes max for us to pray for you, lay hands on you. Maybe you need a fresh and filling. This isn't just for those who have never received the Holy Spirit. This is for everybody who wants more of the Spirit. I'm going to ask uh, Eric if you can begin to lead in worship. Prayer teams come down. Leadership come down. This is the beginning of the series on the Holy Spirit. But why wait to the end? The Holy Spirit's here today. Maybe you have a sickness or a chronic illness in your body. The Holy Spirit 
has gifts, supernatural, spontaneous abilities to heal incurable diseases. That could happen down here. Maybe you can just come down and start getting prayed for.